This is Jenny McComas, Curator of European and American Art at Indiana University's Eskenazi Museum of Art. The Eskenazi Museum of Art is fortunate to count three sculptures by Jacques Lipschitz, one of the most important sculptors of the 20th century, in its collection. The three range in date from 1919 to 1945 and offer us great insight into his artistic development. One of these works is Harlequin with Guitar from 1926, an exquisite bronze cast at the height of his creativity. Lipschitz was born in Lithuania in 1891 when it was part of the Russian Empire. In 1909, he settled in Paris, which was the epicenter of artistic innovation and modernism in the early 20th century. Possibly the most influential artistic style to emerge in Paris at that time was Cubism, which developed around 1907 in the paintings of Pablo Picasso and Georges Braque. Cubism represented a revolutionary way of visualizing and portraying reality. Instead of trying to create faithful depictions of the world around them, the Cubists pared down their subjects to basic geometric units, simplified and fragmented forms, and most innovatively, depicted multiple views of an object simultaneously. Cubist painting is probably better known than Cubist sculpture, but the three-dimensional approach to Cubism is particularly dynamic because we can literally walk around the object in real space, seeing it transform into different compositions depending on where we are standing. The Eskenazi Museum's founding director, Henry Radford Hope, a scholar of Cubism, believed that Jacques Lipschitz was among the most successful sculptors to translate the Cubist aesthetic into three dimensions. Lipschitz began to apply Cubist principles to his sculpture around 1914, and in the following years, he produced a number of blocky, multifaceted sculptures that veered close to abstraction. But around the end of World War I, Lipschitz changed course. Like many other artists in France, he began to reincorporate figuration into his art. This period in French art is often called the return to order because the shock and horror of World War I led some artists to revert to more conservative styles and subjects. At this time, Lipschitz turned to subjects such as bathers and musicians, which were long-established themes in Western art. The Harlequin depicted here is a stock character in the Commedia dell'arte, a form of popular theater first developed in Renaissance Italy. By the 17th century, Commedia dell'arte troops were also performing in France and England, where they became popular subjects for artists. Commedia dell'arte performers took on the roles of standardized figures who expressed particular personality traits. Harlequin was known as a comical servant figure who can be identified by his checkered outfit. Sometimes he also plays a guitar. In Lipschitz's rendition, the checkered design is indicated by a delicate crisscrossing of bronze strips, while the guitar has blended with the figure to form the lower half of the Harlequin's body. In the early 20th century, the Commedia dell'arte experienced something of a revival, becoming an inspiration not only for avant-garde theatrical productions, but also for artists. In fact, there was a lot of overlap between the visual arts and the theater in the years around World War I, with many artists designing sets and costumes for avant-garde productions. Several ballets, in particular, explicitly referenced the Commedia dell'arte, including Igor Stravinsky's Petrushka of 1911 and Jean Cocteau and Eric Satie's Parade of 1917, which featured sets by Picasso. 
Lipschitz's Harlequin connects him to this avant-garde artistic and theatrical milieu, as well as to a familiar and beloved character in European culture. It was precisely because Lipschitz's subjects were so familiar that he felt free to experiment with new formal and technical innovations that went even beyond the Cubist idiom that he had previously mastered. In fact, it's around this time that Lipschitz starts to develop a style that was truly his own. Harlequin with guitar dates from this period of intensive experimentation that reached its height in 1925 and 1926. It belongs to a body of work known as the Transparence, a term which refers to these sculptures' incorporation of an unprecedented amount of open or negative space in their compositions. Later reflecting on his development of the Transparence, Lipschitz recalled that it was a fantastic experience. Suddenly, I found myself playing with space, with a kind of open, lyrical construction that was a revelation to me. We can clearly see this openness and lyricism in Harlequin with guitar, whose intertwining positive and negative spaces result in a very intricate and dynamic composition, almost like a collage constructed of disparate elements. The transparent blending of solids and voids made them revolutionary in the 1920s, in part because of the technical challenges involved in producing them. We should recall that this is a couple of decades before sculptors started using industrial techniques such as welding to construct highly complex metal sculptures. Instead, to produce the transparents, Lipschitz used lost wax casting, a sculptural technique that dates back 5,000 years to the Bronze Age. The transparents are all relatively small in scale, as we can see in Harlequin with guitar. To create these works, Lipschitz would first make a cardboard and wax model. This sculpture appears to be constructed from a number of thin, curved planes, reflecting how Lipschitz bent and cut pieces of cardboard to create his preliminary model. While it was traditional to use clay for the model, cardboard enabled Lipschitz to create forms and spaces that would not otherwise have been possible. The next step in creating a lost wax bronze sculpture is the application of a thin layer of wax to the model. Again, we see this in the finished piece's surface, which retains the imprint of Lipschitz's fingers as he applied and modeled the malleable wax. Once Lipschitz was satisfied with his cardboard and wax composition, he embedded the model in a mold, probably made of the traditional materials of clay or plaster. This was then heated in a kiln, which caused the wax to melt and flow out of the mold, leaving hollows which would then be filled with molten bronze. Once the bronze cooled and hardened, it formed the sculpture we see before us. Making a bronze sculpture is an expensive, time-consuming, and dangerous process, with the bronze being melted at temperatures exceeding 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. For these reasons, artists typically work with a bronze foundry, where their sculptures can be cast by highly trained experts. Lipschitz worked with the Valsuani Foundry in Paris, which specialized in lost wax casting and was the foundry of choice for artists such as Degas, Rodin, Matisse, and Brancusi. Lipschitz's standard practice was to cast his sculptures in editions of seven, but the complexity of the transparence resulted in their fragile models being destroyed during the casting process. Only a single, unique cast could be made from these models. Whether creating a unique cast or seven, however, Lipschitz's next steps were the same once the bronze was removed from the mold. He had to individually finish the surface of each sculpture using a process called chasing. 
This refers to the cleaning up of the work surface, the repair of flaws, and the careful polishing that brought out the bronze's luster. Finally, he applied a patina, or a translucent varnish, to the finished sculpture's surface. The patina protects the sculpture and sometimes tints it. As we've seen, the blending of old and new characterizes the work of Jacques Lipschitz. In the early 1930s, he would turn to some of Western culture's oldest literary traditions, the Bible and the Greek myths, as subjects for sculptures that continued to push the boundaries of modernism in a stylistic and technical sense. Harlequin with guitar also represents a wonderful blending of old and new. We see how Lipschitz turned to a 5,000-year-old casting process to express innovative aesthetic ideas in the 1920s. And we also see how he took up a subject that was deeply rooted in European culture, but emphasized its relevance to modernity by connecting it to the most avant-garde approaches to art, music, and theater in his time. 